is October 26th. It's been a month since our last podcast. Anyways, today we are commemorating St. Demetrios of Thessalonica. So first off, I'd like to uh, apologize for my, my congested voice today. I hope it doesn't come through too much in the recording, but if it does and you hear all the juices flowing through my head, uh, please ignore that. Secondly, um, my my itinerary for us today. What we're going to do today is I'm going to read to you a story of the passion of the great martyr Demetrios. Now, I had originally wanted to read something. It's kind of like one of the primary source documents for the life of St. Demetrios. Uh, it's called the Nine Miracles or the Miracles of St. Demetrios. When I started reading that, I started to record that, but it just sounded so clunky. Like the, the, um, the translation may have been too true to what was actually written down and not given a lot of the, the finesse that you need to have um, something flow in English. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to include a link to the Miracles of St. Demetrios for you to read if you feel so inclined. Uh, I'm going to instead read some a, a curated uh, story of his life um, that gets the gist of everything that the the primary source, the Miracles of St. Demetrios, does. Afterwards, Sarah and I are going to be talking about his life, talking about his example, and some of the things that we, we see... Um, that we've been reflecting on uh, from having read his life and reading the miracles. And we might mention some of the miracles that are listed. That document itself, it comes from, I believe, the 7th or 8th century. And it was transposed or translated by uh, Athanasius the Librarian, who was a Greek scholar in the West. And I believe he condensed the stories. Um, So they're a little too long still, even though they're condensed, uh, to really share. Um, I don't know if I have the patience for that kind of a clunky language over that long of a period of time, but I digress. Anyways, I'm going to read you the story of his martyrdom, and then we're going to talk about it. Okay, I hope you enjoy. The holy great martyr Demetrios was born in the city of Thessaloniki and was the son of noble and pious parents. His father was a military governor of Thessaloniki and secretly believed in our Lord Jesus Christ and labored for him. He did not dare, however, to confess the Lord's most holy name openly, for at that time the impious and pagan emperors were tormentors of Christians and had raised up a great persecution against the faithful. Since he feared the threats of the cruel and inquitorous rulers, he hid within himself the pearl of great price, the faith which is in Christ. But in his palace, he secretly kept two holy icons, adorned with gold and precious stones, for one of our incarnate Savior and the other of the most holy Theotokos. The lamp always burned before them, and he sensed them with incense, and together with his wife, who also believed in Christ, he prayed to the true God who dwells in the heavens, to his only begotten Son, and to our Immaculate Lady. The pious couple was exceedingly merciful to the poor and gave abundant alms to those who asked for them. 
They had no children, and this grieved them greatly. Therefore, they prayed God fervently that he would grant them an heir. In a short time, their prayers were heard, and they were granted a child, the holy and blessed Demetrios. All Thessaloniki rejoiced with its governor, who had a feast prepared for the entire city and especially for the poor, to thank God for the gift he had bestowed upon them. When the boy reached an age at which he could know and understand truth, his parents took him into the room where they prayed. They showed him the holy icons and said, This is the depiction of the one true God who made heaven and earth, and this is the image of the most pure virgin Theotokos. They instructed Demetrios in the holy faith and in everything which leads the knowledge of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. They explained to him, moreover, how vain are the vile gods of the heathen and their lifeless idols. Through his parents' teaching, and especially through the working of the grace of God within him, Demetrios came to know the truth. He believed in God with his whole heart, bowed down before the holy icons, and kissed them reverently. After this, his parents secretly summoned a priest and certain of the Christians whom they knew, and in their hidden chapel they had their son baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. After the child was baptized, he received instruction in the law of God. As he grew, his understanding was strengthened, and he ascended from rung to rung on the ladder of virtue. The grace of God, which was upon him, enlightened the boy and made him wise. When he had already reached manhood, his parents departed from the temporal life, leaving St. Demetrios both their possessions and their example of their good deeds. As soon as the pagan Roman emperor Maximian learned of the repose of the military governor, he summoned his son Demetrios. The emperor perceived that Demetrios was an intelligent and brave man, and so he made him the new governor of Thessaloniki. He said to the saint, Protect the city in which you were born, and cleanse it of the impious Christians. Put to death all who call upon the name of the Crucified One. After he had received the governorship, St. Demetrios returned to Thessaloniki, where he was received with honor by the citizens. Immediately he began to confess and to glorify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he instructed all the people in the holy faith. He became a second Apostle Paul to the citizens of Thessaloniki, leading them to know the true God and uprooting the ungodliness of polytheism. But within a short time, the emperor Maximian learned that his governor Demetrios was a Christian and had led many to the faith. When the emperor heard of this, he was enraged. At that time, he was returning from a campaign against the Samaritans, and so he went to Thessaloniki. Before the emperor reached the city, Demetrios put into the hands of a trusted servant named Lupus all of his possessions, the wealth he had inherited from his parents, his gold and silver, precious stones, and raiment. He instructed Lupus to distribute these quickly to the poor and needy, saying, Give away my earthly riches, and let us seek the wealth of heaven. Then St. Demetrios began to pray and to fast, preparing himself to receive the crown of martyrdom. 
As soon as the emperor began to make inquiry as to the truth of what was said concerning Demetrios, the saint hastened to appear before him boldly, confessing himself to be a Christian and reviling the polytheism of the pagans. The emperor then ordered that St. Demetrios be imprisoned. There the saint prayed in the words of King David, O God, be attentive unto helping me. O Lord, make haste to help me. For thou art my patience, O Lord. O Lord, thou art my hope from my youth. On thee I have been made fast from the womb. From my mother's womb thou art my, thou art my protector. In thee continually is my singing of praise. I will chant unto my God for as long as I have my being. My lips shall rejoice when I chant unto thee. Moreover, my tongue will meditate on thy righteousness all the day long. St. Demetrio sat in the dungeon chanting unto God and glorifying him as though he were in a bright chamber. Wishing to frighten him, the devil transformed himself into a scorpion and tried to sing, sting the saint's foot, but the saint signed himself with the cross and fiercely stamped on the scorpion while repeating David's words, Upon the asp and basilisk shalt thou tread, and thou shalt trample upon the lion and dragon. As St. Demetrius was sitting in prison, he was visited by a most brilliant angel, who appeared to him wearing a crown from paradise. The angel said, Peace be to you, O martyr of Christ. Take courage and be strong. The saint replied, I rejoice in the Lord and delight in God my Savior. This vision set afire the saint's heart with a love of God, and he was filled with a fervent desire that his blood be shed for the Lord. While St. Demetrius was imprisoned, the emperor was amusing himself with the games in the circus. Now Maximian had a renowned wrestler named Laius, who belonged to the tribe of the Vandals. The emperor ordered that a high platform be constructed in the arena, and he entertained himself by watching Laius wrestle other brave men and cast them down onto spears below. It happened that there was a young man present named Nestor, a Christian known to St. Demetrios. When Nestor saw how Laius slew many, and that he was especially eager to slaughter Christians without mercy, he was set aflame with zeal and wished to contend with the vandal. He went to St. Demetrios, who sat in prison, and told him how the wrestler Laius had killed numerous Christians. He asked the saint's prayers and blessing to, con- to contest with the pitiless manslayer. St. Demetrios signed signed him with the cross and said, You shall prevail over Laius and be deemed worthy to suffer for Christ. As Nestor hastened to the arena, he cried out in a loud voice, O God of Demetrios, help me. Nestor then entered into contest with the mighty foe, hurling him to a bitter death on the sharp spears below. The emperor was grieved greatly by Laius's death, and immediately commanded that the blessed Nestor be beheaded with the sword. But the emperor could find no consolation in his sorrow, and lamented for Laius all that day and through the night. When he learned that St. Demetrios had blessed Nestor to contend with Laius and slay him, he ordered that the saint be run through with lances. Since Laius perished when he was cast down upon spears by Nestor, 
the persecutor desired that St. Demetrios also be slain with lances. Let him perish in the same manner as did our champion, whose death he caused, said the emperor. But the senseless persecutor was deceived, supposing that the repose of a saint could be like that of a sinner. For the death of sinners is evil, while precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalm 115. When the 26th day of October dawned, soldiers entered the prison where they found St. Demetrios standing at prayer. They pierced him with their lances, and he surrendered his honorable and holy soul into the hands of Christ the Lord, who was likewise pierced by a spear. His body was cast out and lay upon the ground in dishonor until the faithful came by night, took it secretly, and buried it. St. Demetrios's trusted servant Lupus, who was previously mentioned, was present in the prison when the saint was run through with spears by the soldiers. He dipped his finger in his master's blood and took his lord's blood-soaked robe and worked many miracles with that robe and with his finger. He healed every disease and cast out evil spirits, and as a result, word of these marvels spread throughout Thessaloniki, and all who were ill began to come to him. When Maximian learned of this, he commanded that the blessed Lupus be seized and beheaded. Thus did St. Demetrios' good servant follow his master unto the Lord, for where the master is, there should his servant be also. Okay, hi Sarah. Hi. Hi. We are currently, it is a nice Friday night. And we are yeah. we were just cozying up on the couch with the microphone, and we're going to talk about Saint Demetrius. Mm-hmm. Yep, we haven't recorded from the couch before, so new. No. No, <laughs> this cozy. is it's so cozy. <laughs> Drinking some tea. We're usually at the dining room table. Anyways, Sarah. Yes. Take three. <laughs> what did you like about Why do you have this to story? Say it's take three. <laughs> Could have just given. Because Anyways, it gets your giggles out. This is take three, because I don't know. I can't. What speak what did tonight. what struck you about the life of Saint Demetrios? <laughs> One of the things that struck me right away is I always love stories of couples that have to pray and be patient and entreat God for the gift of a child. So mm-hmm. that always perks my ears up right away. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I can even explain explain fully why but I love the story of Abraham and Sarah um, the story of Hannah in the Bible uh, and so I saw that this was another I think Glycuria's parents Glycuria Gly- interceded for the parents I believe of Saint Elizabeth yes yeah, so if you look up check it check if we're right or not if we're wrong <laughs> you can get a, a free icon. There's a couple episodes yeah. earlier that we did. One of St. Glycuria and then of a couple that prayed to St. Glycuria yep. for a child. And it was a female saint in the end. Yeah, I believe it was St. Elizabeth the anyway. Dragon Slayer. <laughs> yes, anyway. That was one of the first ones. That's always something to me that's a precious story. Because if you think of that real lived experience of those people and the holiness and just from knowing people that have gone through that and what God can really do with that fertile kind of mm. time in a, in a family's life. Mm. 
Anyways, so that always that always perks tickles my you. ears up. Yeah. yeah, and I don't have anything exactly further to say about that, but that jumped out at me. And just the big thing that I noticed right away in his story is just how these parents were attentive and really intentional about sharing their faith and teaching their child. And in their case, it was because they had to do it in secret. Mm -hmm. And, but it was just really um, beautiful to me that you even see that pattern this far back. That That's something we talk about a lot now in the church is how to pass on the faith to your children. Mm. How do you teach them about Jesus and it was just really apparent to me that that's even in that story. And I think we sometimes hear these old saints stories and we just hear their martyrdom. So I thought that that was a cute, cute's not a great word, but a really Wholesome. nice, yeah, really nice view into that little domestic part of life. It was the so. wholesome part of his story before the whole, <laughs> yeah, well, the rest of Lots it. of things. Yeah. I also... Well, I mean, tell me what something you noticed first. Then, then well, I back. think um, what I noticed, or what struck me, was more the relationship between him and Nestor. Because you have you have this relationship where it's someone of Thessaloniki or Thessal Thessalonica, whatever way you want to say it, who goes and defends Demetrios against the Laius, I believe his name was. Yeah, I'm and not sure. in the that. story, he goes and he gets Demetrios's blessing, mm -hmm. and then he and he goes and he slays the um, he slaves the gladiator, mm -hmm. and there's a f there's um, I was about to say funny there's an interesting icon that shows that whole depiction, and okay. I should show it to you after I'm going to post it on the Instagram page. Yeah, I didn't where see. it's the focus is Saint Nestor in the arena as he's plunging a sword into Laius, and because Nestor is also a saint, he has a halo around him while he's doing this. <laughs> and there's Demetrios off onto the side in prison, and he's, like, all holy and stuff. And there's, like, the Emperor Maximilian on the other side. Okay. And it's just, like, it's a slaying scene of a saint killing this uh, <laughs> this bad guy. And, and that, that, as an oddity, just kind of struck me interesting. But there's also a relationship between... Demetrios and the city of Thessalonica. Yes. And so it's like in his afterlife, he protects mm -hmm. the city because they protected him. Interesting. Yeah. No, I thought that was kind of nice because it's St. Nestor's Day tomorrow. Yes. Um, yeah, we're recording this the night before. Oh, wait, St. Nestor's Day. St. Nestor's Day is after Demetrios' day. <laughs> yes. Wow. I mixed up about which month. Sorry. Which day it is today. What day is it? No. And so, well, I, I kind of liked that because I thought it was fitting. Well, and so Demetrius' father is the governor. I'm sure you just, we yeah. are including this story that we're talking about yeah. before we actually have our discussion here, but... Um, is the governor, right? Or the official of some sort. And then he passes that on to his son, right? Right. So what's interesting is, to me, this role of Demetrius that he's given in an earthly sense. Oh, yeah. No, true. And yeah. so it's fitting that yeah, he right. has this relationship with the city, mm -hmm. that the people of the city are devoted to him and that he 
continues to protect the city, and, and we'll get into some of the stories about mm. him that occur after his death or mm-hmm. his martyrdom with his intercession and things like that. Right. So this brings... Yeah, why don't you talk about that? So um, in the iconography, so I just took a few minutes to look it up. Bill had me read the story that he just read to you and kind of did a little bit of my own sleuth thing, looked up some of the miracles and different things. And then I thought, oh, I should, I'm an iconographer. I should really look at the iconography here, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the really interesting things that I noticed, and I don't know too much about it, but about architecture in icons yet. It's not something that I've come across or delved into, but um, I've noticed that there are multiple depictions, not all, but about every third or fourth one that you find that's just of him, not him on the horse with the lance and whatever. But there's um, one where he's almost like from the elbows up um, and he's kind of sitting in a city. There's almost like a miniature Mm. little city wall Mm -hmm. that goes all the way around him. There's another one where his actual breastplate of his armor is buildings. Mm. Or um, some of them where it's just more like vaguely suggestive of architecture and somewhere it's very definitely intended to be like some sort of official yeah. type looking building mm-hmm. or multiple buildings or an archway. And so I thought that was very interesting because there is this very close relationship. And I think you could look at it as like a spiritual fatherhood. Um, not in the sense that like a priest or a bishop has, but in the sense that... Um, the faithful Christians who are given roles of, of being a governor or something like that. Mm. There is a spiritual reality, I think, to that. And maybe that's what is being communicated through some of uh, St. Demetrius's oh, um, stories and his right. iconography. I think there's, there's something being expressed there that's really interesting. Cool. Yeah, you know what? I think I thought of something on a similar line um, because there, there were those legends Yes. Of, of his of his life. And the legends are far more extensive than his actual life was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually articulate of a saint's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that, and because the majority of what you will do if you get to heaven <laughs> will be after you get to heaven. And if you have, you know, if you're holy enough to perform miracles and all this stuff throughout the ages... <laughs> then that will be your story. That's what your actual story is. And I think that as a spiritual exercise, thinking about our lives on earth as being actually this kind of a small story. Like a blip. This is just a blip. Like <laughs> what's going to be, you know, we're here, we're in our apartment. What, what is this, gonna, this moment going to be? Or what, what troubles? Maybe think about it that way. When we think about our troubles and our, and our, and our worries, are we going to be thinking the same way after our 1,000th year in heaven? Mm-hmm. You know? And so with St. Demetrios, I think that's the aspect about him that I really like is that throughout the ages, you know, surrounding Thessalonica, he's had all of these stories. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, it, it, sh- it also shows the people. Mm-hmm. It shows what the people are like. Mm-hmm. For for someone to for for a city to always be going back to this saint, I think is kind of there's a romantic thing about that. 
mm-hmm. over throughout the ages, and it's really beautiful. And I think about our city of Saskatoon, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's the Demetrios can protect us too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Mother Theodosia, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> Do you think that that's a way that? I haven't thought this through out loud yet, but do you think that's a way that the Holy Spirit sort of shows or confirms the holiness of a saint that we might have a, a devotion Oh, yeah, to totally. By growing it and growing the legend? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell a story. Like, when I was planning to do this podcast, and I was looking throughout the month of all the different saints that I can do, because there's a, there's a ton of them, you know, St. Demetrios stood out to me. I didn't know a lot about him. Mm-hmm. And in this week, our friends, they have a podcast. Uh, they don't have a podcast. They have a... Blog. They have a blog. <laughs> and they did a, a story about St. Demetrios. Yes. And it was, I believe, she uh, she was saying that, you know, she didn't know much about him, but she said, decided to look into his life. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, I was inspired and she was inspired. It's like... St. Demetrios, or the Holy Spirit, or, you know, the both in tandem, likely, (laughs) are making him known to us again today. Mm -hmm. And his story is continuing. Mm -hmm. And so what kind of, what more legends are there going to be about St. Demetrios Mm -hmm. that we can add? And so that was my one thought. I think that's, um, yeah, true. I also think that that's true of Christianity in general. I can't remember what talk it was that I was listening to, but this person was an apologetics person. And they were talking about when people want to refute Christianity as some, like, dumb story, you know, started by some, like, granted very good teacher named Jesus at one point. And this guy said, you think about it, like, as soon as he was gone, people were, like, dying to defend him, dying to have the right to spread his story and spread his good news. Why would you die for something you just made up? Mm, right. Right. And, and that the spread of Christianity, especially in the early church actually is kind of bonkers and doesn't make sense from a like numbers, history, how fast ideas spread kind of perspective. Mm. And so it only could be explained mm. by the Holy spirit, arguably. Yeah. Sure. Um, and I think that you see a lot of saint stories like that. And I had read a book a couple of years ago about how the process and what they look at when the Roman Catholic Church is actually officially deciding who's going to be a saint. To, yeah, beatify be or canonized. Can't well beatify and then canonize someone. And one of the big things that they start with is to look at the the existence and the the, the sort of nature and character of the local devotion to that person where they were from or where and and it's kind of weird and suspicious if the devotion doesn't originate where they're from for example Mm. or there's different things to consider but one of the big things is that there's a cult of this saint before anyone even officially opens the process i mean that's since we had an official process right but Mm -hmm. i think that that's always been something because before an official process that's just how saints were recognized is eventually their story stays around past the mm. charisma of their actual mm. presence on earth longer than that right would last right right yeah. i really like that mm-hmm. 
I wanted to show you. Um, so you've seen this icon of St. Demetrios before? Yes, or variations of it. Variations. Yeah. Now, so just so you folks at home know what I'm doing, it's St. Demetrios on a horse with a spear stabbing some guy. Mm-hmm. Now, who do you think that is? I don't know. Because there are so many stories. It doesn't that... jive with his, with his earthly life. It is, yes. this, this actually goes back to the legends. Because yes. this is not happening during his life again. Yes. This is a story that happened in the 13th century. Yes. Where the Bulgarian emperor was attacking Thessal- Thessalonica. Mm-hmm. And... The city inhabitants prayed to St. Demetrios, and long story short, they attributed the death of the Bulgarian emperor, Tsar, to St. Demetrios. And therefore, they've created this icon. Yes. The thing is, it's not like we have a beef against this guy anymore, but the icon has lived on, (laughs) you know? I think... Yeah. And I think that it would be interesting to to actually investigate, because I really like the soldier, the warrior saints. Yeah. Um, and I think we, there is something to be said about going to our soldier saints to protect us. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've had a lot of enemies, you know, in the last hundred years. Like, I wonder if there's an icon out there of some saint crushing Hitler. Or, <laughs> you know, or some saint, you know... Um, you know, or with uh, crushing Osama bin Laden. Oh my. Or something like that. Could you imagine the same thing? It's kind of foreign to us now, hey? It would be almost irreverent to do so. Yeah. But here we it are, and I bizarre. love this icon. I love this icon. Um, and here we are looking at this icon, and I'm loving it. And he's stabbing the <laughs> Bulgarian czar. Can I tell a funny anecdote that's not related to St. Demetrius particularly? No, okay, stop, go ahead. You just made me think of it. Okay. I'm in an icon class. Yeah. And the first icon they have us do, for various reasons, which are awesome, is your guardian angel. So your sort of first devotion to a saint or person is your guardian angel. But the particular icon that they use is the guardian angel cradling what we irreverently call a baby, <laughs> but it's actually a soul and it's in mm. an orb. And it's your soul. Right? And a friend of mine who is a priest sits next to me mm. and I won't <laughs> mention who he is because uh, I don't want to embarrass him, but um, this baby has a little tiny face and you have to use a little tiny paintbrush to try and keep his face throughout all of the layers to keep oh, okay. it. Anyways, and no matter what he did, his baby just kind of had this weird shadow on his top lip. And he just looked like Hitler, like awful. <laughs> it never changed. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about this. And then my icon instructor goes, she goes almost like indignant. She's like, well, Hitler had a guardian angel. I suppose <laughs> like, so. He probably worked really, really, really hard. Yep. And unfortunately may not have completely prevailed in a multitude of things. We don't know what exactly, happened after yeah. life to Hitler. Anyway, sorry, side tangent. That, that's a weird place to go. It was a weird place to go, but I'm just that's such a really random story. odd. But the other thing, oh gosh, I lost the other thing now. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned that story because you mentioned the story of, of him sort of being his intercession being responsible for this enemy being slain and right in a, in a siege of Thessalonica yeah um 
because I actually was reading stories and I just assumed the one I read was the same story of the same siege and the same intercession. No, I, I, I know which one you're talking about. But it, it's not. Yeah, there's so another time. So when you mentioned time. the 13th century, I'm like, wait. So in 586, the one I read was in 586, um, the Slavs and some other group that starts with A that I can't remember, Avars. Avars, yeah. yeah. We're attacking Thessalonica, and the people had already had a famine for a while. There's also mm. stories of St. Demetrius diverting ships full of food to yep. Thessalonica during times of famine. Mm-hmm. Not sure when those play out in the timeline, but... Um, so they'd already had a famine, so they were not going to last very long, and, and were not strong, their population and their soldiers. Um And they prayed to him for seven days, and on the eighth day, all of a sudden, they see the the armies approaching, and they said there were so many you couldn't see the ground. You just saw heads, is how the the account, Mm. the contemporary account describes it. Mm. So there were this many soldiers, and then all of a sudden, they just all start retreating. And then they go camp up in the mountains in the night, and then in the morning, they're not even there. They're just like, gone, gone. And then people are like, ah, okay, cool, I guess. Can we relax? I don't know. And then they interviewed, they found some random prisoners of war after the fact or something and got accounts. And they said that a man came bursting out of the city gates on a white horse, like engulfed in flames with a multitude of weapons and he had blonde hair and like red armor or something like Mm. this and it apparently exactly matched the iconography they had of saint demetrius already at that point Mm. so there's like multiple stories of him doing this i guess not just one i thought it was all the same legend until you said the dates and i was like wait no so it's a thing. It's totally a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I tend to be less and less sort of historically skeptical of these things now. No, I mean, if that's how many people saw it, it likely happened. It didn't. Yeah, it doesn't come really out crazy. of a. It doesn't come out of a vacuum. Do you think there's something? What? Why do you think we don't have these legendary stories or? Why do you think people are so skeptical of them nowadays? Oh, because I think we're taught to be ultra skeptical to religion or everything, everything aside from our own, like secularized narrative, Mm -hmm. like don't question that, but question everything else. Mm -hmm. Because I'm pretty sure that there are still these great miracles that are happening today. Mm -hmm. You know, they just might not be in front of our faces. Like they were to the people of Thessalonica, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Do you think they happen less because we have less faith that they will happen? I don't even know if they happen less. Well, I, you know, you, mm, I don't know because these are stories that have been collected yeah. over. So I don't know how I often they are. Because Jesus said, I forget where exactly, but he said, if you have faith the side of the size of a mustard seed, you'll look at that mountain and say, jump, jump into the sea things. and it yeah. will. And so many of the stories about Jesus have to do with like, because your faith, you were, because of your faith, 
you're healed or because of your faith, your daughter in some other location mm. is healed. And then later they found out at exactly that moment she was when she sat up and began to speak or whatever. Mm. I'm conflating a bunch of stories here, but sometimes I wonder if we aren't granted great miracles because we don't have great faith because our yeah. culture quashes so, it a bit. And it's so sinful. Maybe that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but know. I mean, great sinners have, Totally. Great I, faith and have... I don't know the yeah. answer. And I'm not that. saying, oh, as soon as you have great faith, then miracles will get handed out like candy. It's not like a bending machine, but hmm. I wonder sometimes... Right. I don't know. Maybe ask the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should ask... Food for thought. If anyone has thoughts, <laughs> feel free have, to yeah, I, comment, c- email. Comment or email, um, yeah. Let us know why yeah. there aren't any if more you, great Yeah. Sense. Why we don't have these, like, we do have, um, uh, Fatima, where this... Oh, totally, yeah. And, um, um, gosh, I'm not, I don't have wor- good words about it right now, but we're, what's, is the one, though, where the sun danced? That's was, Fatima. Yeah, okay. Just making sure I wasn't going to have people go, no, that was Guadalupe or whatever. Um, but yeah, we have, we don't have a lot of mass kind of apparitions and and mass story i mean if they are they're of our lady or something like that well i don't know like saint demetrius or i don't know all the details but apparently at a maronite catholic church in windsor there's a myrrh gushing icon of saint demetrius i don't know if it's of saint (laughs) it's of a saint it's of something yes so there are still things that are going on i i mean we don't necessarily in the age of social media and media it's not really something that they want to have traction gained to right that's where all our information comes from Mm -hmm. and so like if we want to talk about this is an interesting tangent that we're on yeah i mean about the tan we we live in saskatchewan and in a small town maybe an hour or so away uh less than a hundred years ago there, there was a Marian apparition that yes. has fallen out of Our Lady of Sorrows in Cudworth. You and Sean should really do an episode on that. Sorry. Absolutely. I have a, an episode with Sean Please tomorrow. Please bug Bill to do an episode. Totally. That would be a great thing to do. On the Cudworth story and the two little possible saints. Are they blessed or are they not confirmed anything? But I don't think they're, they're confirmed the anything. The locals believe that they are saints. Yeah. Who who saw Mary? Yeah. So ask about Bug Bill. Bug me. Bug Sean. Sean has a lot of the. We have an episode story. tomorrow, and actually, that's an also that's a. It's a that's good segue because I don't think they've met Sean yet. Or no, they haven't, met, haven't yet. met Sean. But there's there's a connection that I want to make between the saint we're talking about today and the yes. saint we're talking about tomorrow, because tomorrow we're not talking about Saint Nestor of Thessalonica. We're talking about Saint Nestor of the Caves. Okay. And so, well, a lot of the times what we do is if someone has the same name of another great saint, we just put them on the same day. Yes. And so, you know, all of your St. Williams are on the same... I don't know if that's true for sure, but just to give you the gist... You will see multiple times, And so there's... um, Both Nestors are tomorrow, and our saint tomorrow, St. Nestor of the Kiev Caves, or the Chronicler, Nestor the Chronicler, he's the one who first wrote down the history of the Rusin people and of the conversion of the Slavs and all this stuff. So there's an actual parallel between those two Nestors. 
Because one Nestor fought on behalf of a saint and on behalf of God. And of the other Nestor, he also kind of, he didn't fought, but he labored also on behalf of God's people. Yeah. But not by um, slaying any evil, evil people, but by recording history. Mm-hmm. And so there are two saints that we don't know a ton about who do things on behalf of the holy. Yeah. And I really like that. Yes. I have thoughts about Nestor, the Nestors, based on what you've just said. But to come back to the conversation of this person named Sean. Oh. <laughs> is a friend of ours who is going to be a semi-regular guest. Um, and he's going to, there'll be an episode with him and Bill coming up about the ne- Nestor, the Chronicler. Yep. Um. It's a double header, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, so episodes. you guys are lucky. Uh, we have been delinquent in <laughs> posting episodes. Apologies. Um, just a quick thought for that episode. You can cut this out if you want later. But it's interesting because they are both humble. Oh, totally. Nesters. Because yeah. the one is like, I want to defeat mm. this gladiator mm. and I believe that putting your life on the line for someone it's not for, against someone who has killed hundreds and hundreds of people yeah without faith yeah you have no reason to so there's a weird it almost seems like extreme arrogance but it's actually a humility it's a humility it's funny because we'll we'll touch on this the spoiler alert tomorrow Nestor the chronicler is also humble well yeah because he just did all this work and and it's all to glorify the great saints. It is because he's always referring back to how unworthy he is for doing the work that he's doing. But he undermines his own feeling of unworthiness by saying it is not fitting to conceal God's wonderful acts. Yeah. And so, and I, and you know, I think that's a great theme for today and tomorrow because there are these wonderful acts from Demetrios uh, throughout his saintly life. Mm-hmm. In heaven, and there are these wonderful acts that happen in the beginning stages of the conversion of the Slavs of the Rusin people. Oh yeah. And so I think that that is a great thing to end on. There's also the um, the point of fact that there is a myrrh bearing, myrrh gushing icon of Saint Demetrios, mm-hmm. but in order to Learn about that. We're going to send you to, to thebyzantinelife.com because that is what they mentioned in their article. They're friends of ours. We want to send some traffic their way. So Kyla and Lyndon have a blog about the Byzantine life. Yeah. And that's Just their about different article. saints. And I think yeah. she also writes on mom stuff. Yes. Yeah. 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 Catholic momming. Catholic mom. <laughs> Mommerdom. Mother. <laughs> motherhood <laughs> there you go i suppose that's the correct way to say it <laughs> and uh i think she talks a little bit about homeschooling and stuff as well and what what's um she's someone that grew up roman catholic and um has uh, i'm not sure if she switched rights or if they just um they live as it. a family live the byzantine catholic tradition so it's a, also another good perspective of things of someone with fresh eyes kind of learning about the tradition kind of like me and bill but um yeah so check them out the byzantinelife.com dot com and that's uh i think they've got two cuties at home as well so 
Those are their and children. Send them a few prayers as well for their ministry of their blog. Yep. Cool. cool. I think I think I think we did it. Yeah, I think we got excited and went on a few tangents and Absolutely. Uh, covered a little extra ground. But um, yeah. let Great. us know if you like the tangents, if you dislike. Yeah. Ask us questions. We're always open to suggestions. Um, if you have questions about icons, saints, Byzantine Catholicism, if you have cool saints you want us to check out, you think more people should know about, let us know. All right. Peace.